You know, there's a, I am so blessed. There's a, I was thinking this week, there's a lot of, um, I like to see what some ministers and preachers have said about different sections of scripture. There's a lot of uh, preachers that I, that I go to and look at their sermons. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, he, he must have preached more messages to Nathan than anybody. I, I mean, he preached for many, many years and he was prolific. So Spurgeon Archives has just messages and messages. I love uh, another, another man that I love to, to read is uh, Ray Stedman, pastored out on the West Coast, Palo Alto, California for several years. He's gone home to be with the Lord, but he was a, a rancher from Montana, uh, became a, a pilot during World War II and then went into the ministry. Uh, I love contemporary people. I love uh, the freshness of uh, Chuck Swindoll and uh, Insights for Living. Oh, Adrian Rogers, what a, what a preacher's preacher. Uh, but I, I love those. And I was thinking, we've, uh, we've been in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and, uh, for a while. And I was thinking, wow, we're spending a lot of, times there, a lot of time there. But this, this is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of Jesus' messages. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? This, this is, this is, he is the Word. He's the Word. He's not just a man who is giving an opinion about what God said. He's the Word. So when Jesus shares and when he speaks... We could camp out there forever and never exhaust it. And so we have been, we've been a few weeks now in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And in, uh, in, in chapter 6, he's, he's, he's introduced this amazing concept to the people, to the, the disciples who've come to listen to him primarily, but to everyone, this concept of God as a heavenly father. Uh, to, the, to the Jews, they had a concept at least of, of, of Yahweh as, as a, a holy, sovereign God up, up there, but there was such a gap between, between man and God to, to, to ever think of him coming down to earth in flesh and blood incarnate so that we could have a relationship with, with him was, was almost beyond comprehension. And the other religions of the world would, would never even dare to even go close to that. So Jesus has introduced this, this principle that our heavenly, that our, our God in heaven wants to be our heavenly father. And uh, he shared that, he, he speaks of that often in this middle part of this sermon. And then Jesus knowing that and knowing that you and me as he does and knowing people as he does, he knew that there would be things that would hinder that relationship. And so he addresses some of those temptations. And one of the first things that he addressed is that be careful when we do our religious stuff is that we do it in the right way for the right reason. Don't do our religious stuff before men to be seen of men, but when we worship, worship God, worship God. And then uh, last week we talked about not only that, but Jesus knew that there would be a temptation for believers, for you and me as Christians, and for those who were listening to him. That if we weren't careful, we would begin viewing possessions and wealth as the world does. Now, I call that things and money, okay? Possessions and wealth. And that we would view them if we weren't careful, and if we began viewing those things and with money, as the world does, that it would hinder, it would, it would hinder that relationship that God desires with us. So last week we took a look, Jesus talked about, he talked about two treasures, heavenly and earthly. 
He talked about two eyes, an evil eye and a single eye. And a single eye, we reference to the Old Testament, which was a, a generous eye. It was an eye that looked for ways of sharing and ministering. How can I help my neighbor out of the abundance God has given me? We talked about that. Then last Sunday evening, I ended up with verse 24 of Matthew 6, talking about Jesus talked about two masters. And he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. So he understood that the temptation to do these things would hinder our relationship with our heavenly father. And so after, after sharing that, when we pick up today in verse 25, it starts off, King James says, therefore, therefore. And Jesus is referring back to what he's just been speaking about, the things that would hinder this relationship. So this morning, I've asked Craig to, but King James starts off, therefore, I say, do you take no thought for your life? And he goes on. And, and there's just, a, King James, when he says take no thought for your life, he's not saying that we shouldn't plan. He's not saying that we shouldn't prepare. And I like the way that the New Living Translation says it. I've asked Craig to put it there just for, just so that for, the, for this purpose, because I want to talk about turning our worry into worship. Turning our worry into worship. Jesus says, looking down in verse 25 from the NLT, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Now, the, 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 the Greek there, when he says not to worry, he's saying stop worrying. Stop worrying about everyday life. What you're, whether you're going to have enough food to drink and food to eat and drink, you're going to have enough clothes to wear. Isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing. And Jesus, Jesus says, stop worrying. Now, my dad said, I've heard him say it several times, son, worry can kill you. You ever heard that? Worry can kill you. Now, I guess a better medical term today, if we were talking, would be uh, hypertension. I think, I think, now, there are a lot of medical people here. Hypertension and stress, right? Is hypertension... Mary, that's like stress on steroids, right? It's, it's souped up. When I think of hypertension, it sounds to me like it ought to be a, an aeronautical term for, for jerking the wings off of an airplane or something. I mean, hypertension, you know? We're going into hyperspace. And we, hypertension's getting us. And literally, one of, the, one of the translations of the word worry in the section we're looking at this morning literally means pulled apart. Don't be pulled apart. Stress can do that. It, it, worry can kill you. I think it was Robert Frost, the poet, who said the reason why worry kills more people than work is because more people worry than work. <laughs> but seriously, the stress and the worries of today, they were here in Jesus' day. Jesus understood that. And he understood how much more in the day that you and I live and, and, and the day that where we find ourselves. Common things. You know, we just, if, if they're going to be a rate hike in electric bill, we just get where we could pay our electric bill. Now they're thinking about doing a rate hike. Or the cost of, 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 of fuel, what's going to happen with that? You know, what about terrorism? In the last two weeks, in, in, on our soil, American soil here in the United States, over three terrorist attacks uh, by radical Islamic jihadists. And we have leadership who are so politically correct, they're even afraid to use the word radical Islamic jihadist. They, they won't, they, you know, they don't like that use, but they will purposely delete the word Christian or Christ from newscasts because they would not want to offend anyone. 
You know, go figure that. Don't want to go there, but there's a lot to worry about. Tensions in the Middle East. We, we get the reports. We read the reports. If you read about ISIS and the brutality and the inhumane, it's not human beings. It is demon possessions that have pushed men and women to things that God never created people to do. And they do that. There's enough to worry about. Then people worry about the election. They worry about the debate tomorrow night. They worry about all this stuff. It's there. Recent survey uh, that I read showed that uh, of those that were taken, that over half of the people in the United States, over half the people suffer from fatigue and sleeplessness. And they had two more that I put on that. that These kind of bother me. Fatigue and sleeplessness and anger and irritability. Uh, Yeah. And some of the the things that top the list of our worries in the United States, you know what the two top ones were? Money and the economy. They top the list. So today when Jesus, when we read Jesus' words that he preached that day to the people there on the mountain, don't worry. That's why I tell you, I think if you read... uh, the Living Bible says, so my counsel is, okay, because I've talked about this, because I've told you these things will hinder that relationship with your heavenly father. So my counsel to you is stop worrying. And if you're there that day, I'm listening, you know, kind of like a sermon here and the, 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 you know, Jesus says something here and, and you think, yeah, right. How? How? How can we stop worrying? The Romans, look what the Romans are doing to us. Look what the Romans, look at the taxes. Look at our religious leaders. They're corrupt to the bones. Look at all, Jesus, are you aware of what's around us and you tell us to stop worrying? Well, Jesus tells that to us, stop worrying. And then he gives us, he begins giving us some reasons to stop worrying. And the first reason I want you to look at, he says, look at the birds. They don't plant They don't harvest, they don't store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No, but they can take minutes away from your life. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the flowers of the field, how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Yesterday afternoon, Barbie and I drove down into the bottom, it's a creek bottom, check on how our, our uh, beavers are doing with their, with their corn. But we drove down there, and it, it needs bush hogging right now, but every year, this time of year, fall of the year, there is some of the most, and we, we drove down there yesterday, there, is, there are some purple flowers that must be the color of the robes that we're going to have if we have royal robes in heaven. Barbara said, honey, look at that color. And there's, a, there's, a, there's some kind of a wild flower that's red. But it's redder than any red I've ever seen. I told Barbara, I said, look at that. Look at that. You know, man, we, we do some pretty awesome things. But I want to tell you, God says, when, you, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're tempted to worry, look at my creation. That's what he's saying. Look at my creation. Have you ever seen a bird fall off the power line with a heart attack because it didn't worry if it's going to have anything to eat tomorrow? <laughs> huh? Yeah, I mean, look. You ever, you ever think about it? Now, I, I don't know. I know squirrels, squirrels, they'll, they'll dig up a yard and bury 
acorns and stuff. They'll, they'll bury that. Rat, I mean, the ants, they'll store up. Uh, I, don't, I don't know of a bird now. I may be wrong. I'm not a, what do you call them? Some kind of ologist things. That, what a bird? Yep, I ain't one of them. I'm a Helton. I was born a Helton. That's, I'll die a Helton. I don't know. Anyway, I, I don't know of a bird. I don't think birds hoard up. They don't store food. It's just provided by their creator. And, and, and he says, look at all these flowers. Consider the lilies. It's even the, even the, the most wealthy, one of the most wealthy kings that's ever lived. When God decides to, to color his creation, the king's, king's colors can't compare. We're getting ready here to, uh, Zane just came home and he told us we're studying fall. They're studying fall in his classroom. And he said, the leaves are going to change color. I mean, and we're, we get to see, every year we get to live through this. And you know, just in a few weeks here, we're going to see the, we're going to see the, the yellow of the hickory trees. We're going to see the red of the maples. And we're going to see, and, and I love, I mean, just the splendor of this. People drive for hours now, sometimes we, you know, sometimes it's frustrating if you're trying to get across Neil's Gap in leaf season. But we got to understand, folks, they are admiring the handiwork of a creator God who is displaying his glory. And Jesus says in verse, 20, verse 30, he says, and if God so wonderfully cares for the wildflowers that are here today and are gone tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. In verse 30 and in verse 26, Jesus says, he said twice, he says, hey, consider his creation. They, he says, don't worry. And they say, well, what? yeah, big deal. How, how, how can we not worry? He says, well, if you look at his creation and his creatures, he cares for them. And if he cares for them, how much more valuable to him are you than the birds and the flowers? That's not demeaning his care for them. He takes care of them. It's elevating how much he loves you and how much he loves me. And he goes on. He said, they said, you know, how? Word don't worry? Yeah, how? Look at the creation. And then notice what he says secondly. He says, don't worry because he says, worry is not trusting you. Someone said that worrying is like being on a treadmill. It'll wear you out, but you won't get, in, won't get you anywhere. <laughs> Next time you're on a treadmill, think about that, Okay. Think about that. It will drain your energy. It won't take away from tomorrow's problems, but it'll drain you of your strength and your joy today. And Jesus tells them next, look in verse 31. So don't worry about these things. Now, there's an interesting, little bit just a tad thing, and I'm not, I'm, I don't get, I'm not this smart, but there's a little bit of difference in the, in the verse 31 and verse 26. Where's verse 26? Jesus says, stop worrying. He said, stop worrying. In verse 26, the context and the grammatical makeup of, of the verse that this is in is the, the, the meaning is, and don't start worrying. Okay? Stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. And don't start. Don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what are we going to wear? Now, look, notice why. Here's another reason. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Now, what he's saying, look at this. I think King James says here, these things do the Gentiles seek after, right? Isn't that what it says in verse 32? For these things do the Gentiles. The Gentiles were the unbelieving, unbelieving heathen, okay? The pagans. 
Listen, the pagan worshipers, they, they, they feared that their, that their lives were in the hands of fate and fortune. They were so afraid. And the gods that they, the idols they created, the idols, the, man, the gods that they made, that they worshiped, they tried to serve and they feared if they offended them, the gods would get them. So they had to do, they, they, their lives were wrapped around not angering the gods. Their lives were wrapped around doing things so that the gods would smile on them, maybe give them a good harvest or maybe, maybe do this or maybe do that. And they lived in constant fear of a God that they had created. And Jesus is saying here, if you want to change your worry and to worship, you look at my creation. And he said, not only do you look at my creation, but he said, you look and trust me. Your heavenly father already knows you need this. I'm going to share two illustrations with you this morning from my grandkids. And you'll just have to allow that. But a few weeks ago, uh, Nicole, our daughter-in-law, Nicole and I, uh, and we took some of the grandkids and we went to, to Hall County for a, a cross-country meet. And Paige was uh, in cross-country and the kids were running. And we were at the finish line and, and toward, heading towards the finish line, they had taken wire, little wires with flags on them, stuck them down in the grass to, to, to show the runners where to go, okay? It was a hot day and we were there. And Nicole and I were up looking to see if we could see the kids. And Taylor, our three-year-old three granddaughter, she was down on the ground playing. And Zane, our four-year-old grandson, he and Taylor were down on the ground. Taylor, she was pulling that sucker out of the ground. She was sticking it. <laughs> and Zane, always the older brother, Zane was trying to, and he was trying to, put that down, Taylor, Taylor, put that down, Mom, put that down. And, and he was trying to c c control Taylor. Well, the more he tried to control Taylor, the more she was adamant. She wasn't going to be controlled by her one, brothers or your owner. You know how that goes. So Nicole looks down, she said, Zane, Zane, she said, it's okay. She said, I'm her mommy. You don't have to worry about her. I'm, I'm her mommy. I'll take care of that. And she said, Taylor, put that down. Taylor puts it down. Just in, hadn't been two minutes. I, it's just, I love this. Hadn't been two minutes. Cole and I are looking and Zane, I hear Zane saying, mama, mama, mama. And I look down and I said, Cole, Zane wants you. And, and Cole looked at him. He said, focus, focus. <laughs> oh, I love it. Cole, that's, that's so true, isn't it, Cole? It's exactly like it, and, I, and I, every time I think about it, because you know what he was saying to her? Mama, you're not watching, you're not focusing on what she's doing, you're watching the race. While you're doing that, look, focus, mama, focus. <laughs> I, I wanna tell you, when we worry, when we worry, it's just as childish if we're saying to our Heavenly Father, you're not focusing on me. You need to focus. I don't know if you're aware of what's going on in my life right here, but I'm hurting. I'm hurting. Focus. I love it, and I love Zane. But the counsel, and Nicole said, you don't have to worry, Zane, because I'm her mother. And our father says, you don't have to worry, Jerry, because I'm your heavenly father. And I, back to the verse there, Brandon. And I know, already know what your needs are. I already know what your needs are. After these two reasons not to worry, Jesus gives us the command of verse 33. Look at this. The command of verse 33. But all this from verse 26 to here has been saying, stop worrying. Stop worrying. And don't start back because you're, but look at God's creation. Because trust him. Trust him. And instead, verse 33, now the command is, but seek the kingdom of God above all else. We, King James says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Seek the kingdom of God above all else 
and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. The promise of verse 33 is for those who live for him and make his kingdom primary in our lives. The problem with worry in verse 34, he says, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow brings its own worries. Today's troubles are enough. God gives us grace and strength one day at a time. The calendar gives each day a number. Live it one day at a time, trusting him. And as Christians, we should never allow ourselves to get in the syndrome of the world. That, that I call it the then syndrome. The then syndrome. Looking and worrying about tomorrow. I think it's, I think it's Mark Twain says, I'm an old man now and I've seen a lot of worries, but most of them never happened. Think about it. Think about it. And if we aren't careful, one of the things I think he's even warning us believers about is the then syndromes. Things are going to get better then. My life's going to get better then. Yeah. We, we, we look at these, uh, you know, we're blessed with a lot of, of, of single adults. And if we aren't careful, these single adults, adults, you know, one of the temptations can be, hey, when I find that, when God brings the right woman or the right man into my life, then my life is going to be super. <laughs> and... Uh, but listen, I'm going to tell you one better than that. No, 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 listen, no, listen. I'm going to tell you one better than that. It's, 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 for, it's for young people that say, if, when God gives us kids, then my life is going to be ordered. <laughs> Check that out. That's all parents and grandparents. That, and, and, and we love it because we just say, bless them, Lord. And we, we can step back and just, and just step back and say, God is so good. He is, but it's the then. If you aren't careful, we get in the syndrome of, of if I can just, if I can get a raise, if I could just get a raise at work, then I would be, or if I could just do this, or if it could just be that then. And God's saying, don't get in a then syndrome because our worry can turn to worship now when we consider his creation and when we trust him for our provision. Listen, we trust him for our salvation. Those of you that have been born again, you have trusted him for your soul salvation, right? Right? I mean, that's how we get saved. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God's. I snorted, Anise, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, it's, some pastors spit when they get in a big way, other pastors, you got a snorter here. Sometimes I snore, I'm sorry. But he says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not, not of yourselves, it's, not a, it's a gift of God, not of works. We, scriptures, we're in, we're in the man's Bible say Galatians. We're saved by faith. We trust him. We trust him for our salvation. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't do enough religious stuff. So we, by faith, we come to him and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe that you're God's son. You were crucified. You were buried. You're raised to life. Save me by faith. If we can trust him with our soul salvation, which is the most valuable thing we have, doesn't it make sense that we can trust him with everything else? Let me give you my last illustration, and I love this. These, God just allowed them. Some pastors, we will, we will pay dearly for a good illustration, and God just gave me two great ones recently in my family. Now, let me preface this by saying, in, in my family... 
I have a brother that's probably not all mentally there. Those of you that know Terry, my brother, and, and, and you know, uh, yeah. Somebody knows him well. Yeah, yeah. And I'm blessed, but I won't tell you, and, and, and my daddy tended to be anxious. About, daddy could worry. Well, when Terry got old enough, uh, and uh, Nathan's here, and I've, I've told some of you this before, it's the truth. Well, you know how kids are. When, when Nathan was two years old or three years old, Terry could set him up on top of the truck or the car on top, on top. And Terry would back off and say, run and jump to me, son. Here comes this little toddler with a diaper sagging, probably full of pee, jumping, and he just jumps in his arms. And, and, and Daddy would say, uh, Terry would say, Daddy, watch this. And Daddy would say, son, you're going to drop him and kill him. You're going to drop him and kill him. And Ter- Terry would laugh, and then what? He'd put him up some higher. He'd put him on top of the roof, the porch. Jump, jump. He'd turn him upside down. Daddy would say, you're going to drop him? Now, it wasn't a Michael Jackson thing where he was just tempting. Recently... This week, I think it was Friday. I know it was Friday. We were, we were washing pups. If anybody needs a great pup to see me afterwards, and Cole and Zach got them. But we were washing pups, and Zach and Cole and Barbie and the grandkids, we were there. And here comes Taylor, our three-year-old. And she runs up to her daddy, Zach. And she runs and jumps in his arms, and he's watering her, and he's kissing her, and he's biting on her, and he's doing all this. And she's just a cackling. And I look, and he is holding Taylor by one ankle, Upside down. This is a truth. Happened in my shed. I wish he is holding her by one ankle upside down. Her curly hair, she's upside down. Her curly hair is just hanging and she is cackling to the top of her voice. It happened. It was there. I was there. I mean, she is just dying of laughing and he's just swinging her around by one. Now, my first thought was, my first thought was, I promise you, was this. If somebody had me at my age by one ankle, holding me upside down like that, I would probably die of a heart attack. It would be hypertension to the max. You gotta be kidding me. And if, it, and if they didn't drop me, it'd kill me. It would be every joint and my body would be out of whack. But here was Taylor, now listen, here was Taylor and her world was upside down, literally. Her whole world was upside down And she was laughing and joy. Why? Because she was in her father's hand and she trusted him. Oh. Todd, when you said, we have a father who holds us, carries us. Are you trusting him? Consider his creation how he feeds the birds, how he clothes the flowers, how he's going to display his glory in the fleas just any day. And trust him and let your worry turn to worship. Verse 33 says, let's read it one more time. Seek ye first, and verse 34, seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he'll give you everything you need in this verse. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow brings its own words. Today is trouble. I used to, and, and, and I wrote sometime, I was looking at this, and I thought of the old spiritual song. Many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand, but I know who holds tomorrow, and I know who holds my hand. Do you know him?
Do you know him? The most important decision you'll ever make in all your life is what you're going to do with Jesus, the Son of God. He loves you. He died for you so that you could be free. The worship, the praise, the songs have all talked about chains falling off. You say, what chains? The chains of bondage to sin. The chains of bondage to self. So that we could be free. Free from our worries. You say, are you talking about living worry-free? I'm talking about, I believe Jesus Christ's plan for you and me. It's not to leave, live necessarily carefree. Again, he wants us to plan. We need to prepare. If God's, you know, if you're, if God's giving you a good, a good garden and you can can it and you can freeze it or you can preserve it, you need to do that. We need to be wise stewards of what he gives us, you know? But I want to tell you one thing. If we learn what Jesus is saying, he's saying clearly, you can trust him. He knows what we need and he knows who we are. So if you're here this morning and you've never trusted him as your savior, my invitation to you this morning is trust him. He will never disappoint you. Romans 10, 13 says, no one's ever called on him and been disappointed. Trust him. And then I think a message after first service, people talk to me. And the message is so plain. I just want you to know, God knows what we need. You're, you may be here this morning and your world may be upside down. I pray that when you are tempted to worry about it, you'll think if you could sing Taylor Page Friday afternoon with her, in her daddy's grasp, with her world upside down and her just laughing and cackling and not worrying because her father had her in his hand. That's how God wants us to live in his care. Let's pray. Father, as we thank you this morning for loving us, we just, I, I'm, I am just constantly, Lord, some scriptures are some like they're, they're, they, they can be deep and difficult and we have to kind of sort them out and go through them and compare them with a lot of scripture. But boy, this morning it seems like this one is just so simple that even a simple-minded person like me gets a message. Stop worrying and don't start back. Consider your creation and how you care for them. I'm more valuable than that. And trust you. Don't be like the unbelieving heathen but trust you because you know what our needs are. Father, I want to pray for those people this morning whose world is upside down, that Satan is really giving them a lot of opportunity or there's a lot of temptation to worry and fret and they can't control it and they don't know what's going to happen. Lord, right now, would you just let them see themselves in your mighty hand. Father, I pray you'd give, them a, give us a joy and a laughter just like Taylor Cacklin because you didn't have to worry because we're in our Father's hand. Forgive us, Father, if those of us that have started by faith all of a sudden realize now we're worrying about that which we need to live by faith and trust you with. And forgive us let us laugh again and walk with you. And then, Father, right before we come now for our time of communion, Lord, it's very, very possible, even likely, 
there's people here this morning, maybe adults, maybe older adults, maybe young adults, maybe teenagers, I don't know, young people, that have never trusted you as their Savior. They've never invited you by faith to come in their hearts and save them. This morning, some reason, your Holy Spirit and your Word has very clearly spoken to them and they know they need to do that. If that's you, right now where you sit, just raise your hand up. Nobody's looking around. And I'm going to pray for you. If you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life and I want to ask him to come in right now. Hold your hand up. I want to pray with those with their hands up. I see that. Just keep them up. I want to pray with you. I see that. Other hands. There's hands all, all over the congregation. Father, thank you for the simplicity and truth of your word. Now, as we trust you, to come into our hearts and to forgive us of all our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Make us your son and your daughter. We pray this all by faith. It's faith in what you did and it's faith in what you've done and not in our doing, but you've done it. Now we live that out day by day by your strength. And Jesus, put your hands down. Now, Father, as we come to share a communion of your table, you be glorified. In Christ I pray. Amen.